Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Hebrews chapter 11 this evening, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 1 uh, to 7, Uh, but we'll read from a little bit earlier from uh, chapter 10, uh, verse 32, just so we have chapter 11 in the context of what's come before. So that's Hebrews chapter 11, page 1007, but we'll start at 10, uh, verse 32. Let's listen to God's words to us. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. You had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. If you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household, By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Amen. Would you please sit down and please take up your Bibles again. Now, just before we get, uh, begin to get into Hebrews 11, 
I have been struck with what's been going on uh, with with, uh, Kate Forbes uh, this week. If you don't know who she is, she's a senior politician of the SNP party. She's been standing to be elected uh, as leader of the party and so become first minister of Scotland. And the thing is, she's a Christian. Um, She's a member of the Free Church. She has an orthodox Christian beliefs on marriage and trans identity. and, And she's come under fire this week on social media, in the press, intense scrutiny and backlash for stating clearly and faithfully what she, she holds to be true, how it impacts her political life. But what's wonderfully striking is that in the face of all this pressure, she has stayed firm. Now, I'm not, not meaning stayed firm in wanting to be first minister. That's different. I mean stayed firm in what she believes to be true and right. She said what she believes and has stood by it whatever the consequences politically or personally, whether she gets the job or not. And I think that that prompts the question, what makes her, what makes any other Christian in the face of heat and pressure stand firm? How do do we stay resolute? Because we know it's hard, don't we? Many of us will have faced a similar, although not as publicly, you know, the, the hard questions, the, the rejection, the laughter, the, the, the anger. And it's hard to take. It's hard to bear up uh, and put up with. It's often just easier to put our heads down, keep our mouths shut, move on, perhaps even just drop it altogether. But we know we don't want to. We know we want to be faithful to our Savior right to the end. So what keeps a Christian holding fast? Well, to perhaps put it another way, what does a Christian who holds fast, what do they see that others don't? What can they see that others can't? It's a bit like when you're playing, you know, a tactical game with someone and they do something weird or surprising, you know, like like playing chess and they move their queen to a strange place on the board. What have they seen that you haven't? You're scouring the board to see. What has the steadfast Christian seen? Because the life of faith, the life of holding fast to Jesus, of being a follower of him through thick and thin, is actually about what we see. It's about seeing the unseen. It may sound strange, but this, this famous passage of Hebrews 11, that's what's rolling on within it. It's the sight of the unseen. Did you notice verse 1? It's about things not seen. Verse 7, Noah, he was warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. The writer wants to help us kind of see the unseen. So we keep going with Christ. So we hold fast. That's what he wants for us, stickability. For 10 chapters, the writer has been showing us all that God has done for us in Christ. The extraordinary salvation uh, we have through our perfect high priest offering the perfect sacrifice. And then uh, from 10 verse 19, he's, he's applying it. Remember verse 22, it's we're to draw near to God. But then verse 23 of chapter 10, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. As David Gibson put it last week, we're to have an enduring heart. And how do we do that? Well, listen to last week's sermon. But but the whole section is about keeping going. 
Just 10 verse 35, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Verse 36, you have need of endurance. Then verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and who preserve uh, and preserve your souls. And so here we get to what chapter 11 is about. It's, con- it's continuing that call of chapter 10. It's about keeping going in faith and trust, not shrinking back, not throwing our confidence. Well, to put it simply, it's about trust. It's to trust God. God, you've said this, and so I believe it's true. I trust you. I trust you today. I trust you today and the next today. And to keep us going in that trust, he wants us... uh, to to know two things that really matter. Firstly, if you have faith, you have the future. If you have faith, you have the future. And secondly, if others have faith, you see the future. Let's take that first one. If you have faith, you have the future. Uh, Now, verse 1 says, Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And straight away, we see that the focus is on the future. Did you notice that? Things hoped for. Things not seen. As Christians, God has a glorious future awaiting us. Do you know that? A Sabbath celebration, the writer calls it. A day of salvation. A day when we will be before God's throne like our forerunner Jesus is right now. Just take a moment. There is a day approaching when Christ returns, when heaven will come to earth and we will see Jesus as he is. A wonderful future awaits us. And the writer wants us to know if you have faith, you have that future. Now, the, verse, uh, the translation of verse 1 isn't the most helpful. It puts the focus on what faith should feel like. It should feel like assurance and, and conviction. But as we'll see, that's just not the focus of the chapter. It's not about how convinced we are. It's about the significance of our faith. A better translation would be, now faith is the reality of things hoped for, the proof of things not seen. So try not to be thinking about how much faith you have, what it feels like and looks like on the inside. But instead, the writer wants us to think about the the objective reality of what faith is pointing to. So let's just take that first half of verse 1. Faith is, is the reality of things hoped for. What he's saying is this, this, the extraordinary significance of faith. It's not how much you feel it. Instead, its significance is in what it means you have. If you have faith, you have the future. If you have faith, you have the reality of things hoped for. What God is going to give you in the future is so certainly yours, it means faith, in a sense, is that reality. A number of commentators have used the idea of title deeds. Faith is the title deeds of things hoped for. You know, you, you want to buy a house, uh, or a nice flat, and you, you, you sign all the paperwork, and the estate agent hands you the title deeds. Your excited hands grip the crisp paper. 
Now, in one sense, you don't have the house, but in a different sense, you really do. Those, those title deeds are the reality of what's to come. The, the writer to the Hebrews wants us to see what we have in our hands. If we have faith, we, we have the title deeds to heaven. We have the future. Can you see the unseen? I don't know, perhaps what you see at the moment, I don't know, computer screens and balance sheets. Perhaps it's sick people in hospital or academic textbooks. Perhaps it's dirty nappies and cooking pans. But just take a moment. That, that trust you have in Jesus tonight, that, that little childlike trust, that means there's something far greater you can rest the eyes of your heart upon. It's this, your glorious future. It's guaranteed, it's set in stone, it's as good as here. Now let's just pull that statement apart a moment. If you have faith, you have the future. So first, how is the future so guaranteed? It's because God is trustworthy in making the unseen seen. God is trustworthy in making the unseen seen. Now, the writer, he's about to begin a major tour of the Old Testament. If you know anything about Hebrews 11, that may be what you know. It's the people of old investigating faith and what difference it makes. Okay, so verse 2, for by it, that's by faith, the people of old received their commendation. And, And he works in a logical order, moving through from Genesis onwards. So that means verse 3, he actually takes, uh, he actually starts kind of one step earlier to what God did right at the beginning, verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now what's he saying here? As we, as we look at the created world, and from the molecule to the mountain, from the, the granular to the galaxy, God's word, right back in Genesis 1, God's word shows us that God created the universe by his words. And even though we weren't there to see it, God shows us what he can do. His power is such that he can create what we see out of what we can't. The future is certain because God is trustworthy at making the unseen seen. Creation shows us that. It didn't appear just out of nothing with no explanatory cause. God is the cause of it. The invisible becomes visible. By faith we affirm that this this word of Genesis 1 is true. God can do it. And then in verses 4 to 7, if you have a look, the writer begins his tour of the people of old. And today we're just going to spend time with Abel, uh, Enoch, and Noah. Now, probably of those three, Noah is the most famous. But in these three examples, God shows us that he, he really does bring about his promises. He really is trustworthy. Let's take Abel. Now, Abel was the son of Adam uh, and Eve, along with his brother Cain. And in Genesis, uh, the account speaks of how they both brought offerings to God. And we see that here in verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. Now, notice what happens to Abel. God delivers on his promise. Abel approaches by faith 
And what was unseen that his offering would be accepted becomes seen. It is accepted. There is a wonderful communion between Abel and God. Now, same is true of Enoch. Enoch gets a a few verses back in Genesis, but verse 5 here, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. God saves his uh, his people. Enoch trusted God rewards those who seek him. That's unseen. He hasn't been rewarded yet. It's unseen. And then he's taken to heaven. He comes to God's throne room. He drew near to God's wonderful presence. The unseen becomes seen. And with Noah, it's the same. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Again, for Noah, what was initially uh, unseen became seen. God had promised salvation and judgment, the unseen, but then the floods came. And the ark did its job. It saved the scene. God is trustworthy in making the unseen seen. He keeps his promises. Now, I think the problem is we're people who who rely, don't we, so much on our senses. When we can't see something, it really bugs us, it frustrates us, we struggle to believe it. I also wonder if we're we're also so tainted by false promises that people have made to us. I don't know whether it's advertisers. If you have this product, you have everything you've ever dreamt of. Or, or politicians vote for me and our nation's going to be the best ever. And so when God promises, we, we turn up cynical. We treat him he's, like he's just a, an average scammer looking for our cash. But look at God's past record here how he created, how he treated Abel and Enoch and Noah. God is trustworthy at making the unseen seen. So if you have faith, you have the future. God will bring the unseen about. We can't see the future, but that's what he does. He makes the unseen seen. But secondly, why is this by faith? We see that it is throughout the chapter. Okay, we, this was set up at the end of chapter 10 in verse 38 where the writer, he, he quotes Habakkuk and he says, my righteous one shall live by faith. Then verse 2, for by it, that is by faith, the people of old receive their commendation. Verse 4, through which, that is through faith, he was commended as righteous. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken up. And then verse 7, Noah became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. It's clearly God's means of, of how people have the future, how they get the title deeds in their hands. But, but surely faith is it's too little a thing, surely. You know, surely we need to bring more to the table. We need to bring an investment. We need to bring a down payment. We need something of value. But that's not the case. And that's because faith is the only fitting response here to what's going on. It's the only fitting response Remember, the writer has just spent 10 chapters showing us all that God has done in Christ. God has done it all. Christ became a true human. Christ lived an obedient life. 
Christ was the perfect high priest. Christ offered himself as the perfect sacrifice. Christ rose and is ascended in heaven. Christ intercedes for us. It's all him. It's all done by him, all found in him. So, of course, it only comes to us by trusting him. What other means would be fitting? What other means could God give us since it's all done? It's all been accomplished. Trust is the only thing I can do. You know, of course, Abel had to trust to offer his sacrifices. He knew he couldn't please God in himself. Of course, Enoch had to trust God. You know, without it, he could never have dreamt of being taken up to heaven. Of course, Noah had to trust God. He couldn't save his family in his own power. So no wonder that if we have faith, we as good as have what God has promised. It's the only fitting response. It's amazing. It's amazing how hard we find to believe this, isn't it? That idea that, you know, that God only helps those who help themselves, it's so, so deeply ingrained. You know, good things come to, only to those who work hard, who earn it. You know, a whole setup of the economy, of, of life, it's centered on that premise. You know, exams, grades, salaries. And so we just do the same when it comes to God. I've got to work hard. I've got to do good. I've, uh, God loves me because I pray. God loves me because I, I come to church. We even perhaps rewrite this chapter by earning God's love, Abel offered to God and more acceptable sacrifice. By earning God's love, Enoch was taken up. By earning God's love, Noah became a heir of righteousness. But that's not what it says. It's by faith. We keep trusting because it's the only right and good thing we can do. It's all we have. If we have faith, we have the future. Isn't that amazing? What extraordinary grace of God to us. He's the trustworthy one. He's the one who does it. And all he asks of us is to trust him. What wonderful pictures of the future Abel, Enoch, and Noah give us, don't they? Abel, he's commended as righteous and accepted by God. Enoch pleased him and was taken to be with him. Noah, he's saved from judgment and becomes an heir of righteousness. That's the, that's the future God has for us. Saved and accepted, righteous in the presence of God himself. We have that in our hands. If you have faith, you have the title deeds to the future. So keep trusting. Keep trusting. Keep holding fast to Jesus. You know, this evening your present might feel like it's evaporating before your eyes. You know, money's tight. Perhaps because you're just being generous with what you have. Colleagues are questioning you hard about your faith. Friends are leaving you out now. When they meet up, the present feels empty. It feels hard, a trial. Well, turn your eyes to the unseen. The future is secured in Jesus. Stick with him. Don't let him go. If you have faith, you've got the future. But the writer, he also wants us to be encouraged from a different angle as well. Because secondly, if others have faith you see the future. If others have faith, you see the future. Let's head back to verse one. 
And remember, faith is the reality of things hoped for. That's what we've just been thinking about. And then not the conviction, but a a better translation is the proof of things not seen. The proof of things not seen. In other words, if others have faith, you see the future. Their faith is the proof of it. It's tempting just to read this chapter and think, I I just need to have more faith like Moses, like Noah, like Abraham. Now, Now, on one level, that's true. The writer does want us to have faith like them. But he doesn't put these people here just as examples of how to have more faith. He's not hitting us around the head with example after example. Be like him, be like her. No, he's doing more than that. He's showing us their faith so that we actually glimpse how true and real the future actually is. Their faith is actually teaching us something. It's speaking to us. See, that, that's why at the end of verse 4 he says, and through his faith, that's Abel's faith, though he died, he still speaks. His faith is showing us something. It's still speaking to us. Verse 7 When he speaks of Noah's faith, he says, by this faith, he condemned the world. In other words, his faith spoke. It showed something true to others that actually condemned them. Well, what does it say? What does it show? Well, it shows us the future. Faith is the proof of things not seen. So the writer wants to grow our faith, not just showing examples to copy, but by letting the faith we see in others show us more and more how real the future is. We've just had him show us that it's real because God is in the business of making the unseen seen. But he's also showing us by helping us see the faith of others. If, If others have faith, you see the future. Now this is generally uh, a general rule in life, isn't it? Someone's future impacts their present. You know, a future exam impacts how much I work now. A future birthday party impacts my cleaning of the house and putting up decorations. You know, if you saw what I do now, you'd see something of what comes up. You know, if you, if you saw me working hard, you'd know I had an exam in the future. It's the, the future, in a sense, breaking into the present. And it's true with faith. As we see the faith of others, we see the future breaking into their life. So let's just look at the actions of these guys, the actions that they had by faith. Let's take Abel. Abel went to God and offered him a sacrifice. Now, the the, the future unseen that Abel trusted was this. God accepts the sacrifices of those who live by faith. So so watch him. Watch Abel in your mind's eye lift up to God his his small sacrifice of an animal. Because as we do, we see the future taking root in in him. It's broken into his present. That boldness, that step towards God in faith, not trying to buy God's love or just think he had to perform a ritual to try and appease his little deity. No, that, that faith is a glimpse of the future in him. It's a beautiful moment. As he steps up to that altar by faith, we somehow see God's future, unseen acceptance of him, bursting out of him as he makes an offering. Or Enoch, the future. It was pleasing God, taken up to be with him. And so that that future brought about a present faith in Enoch. Because verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Forever would draw near to God, must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. 
You know, for him to make that, that step of walking with God, of being someone who draws near to God, that the future, the reward of rewarding his people, it has to have taken root in his life so that he acted on it. If you'd lived around Enoch thousands of years ago, seeing his faith in action as he lived to please and know God, the reality of his future would have started to shine out of his life. I think Noah's perhaps the, the clearest example of this because his actions were so stark you know, Noah was promised that the rains would come, that God would flood the earth because of the wickedness of human beings. That's the future. And so by faith, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And seeing Noah build an ark, a spoke of that future, right there was a faith that proved it. Seeing Noah act in faith to God's word just spoke to the people around him. The future's real. You know, to do something so drastic, completely against the odds, against what's normal and expected, why, why would anyone do that unless the future had taken root in his life somehow? Unless the power of God was at work. You know, you, you're standing on the dusty ground, looking up at this man on an, on an ark, hearing him banging nails into the next plank as you, I don't know, touch the bags of crops and food he's gathered. As you, you see that, you're, you're seeing the unseen coming. You're glimpsing what's to come. If others have faith, you see the future. You know, how Abel, Enoch, and Noah acted shows us that what God will bring about is real. Let their faith bring alive our future. Christ will come back. Their faith shows us the reality of what we're hoping for. And it's the same with others who live by faith. I don't know, perhaps you've got a friend who... I don't know, who decided by faith not to marry a non-Christian because they trusted God's future in Christ was better than disobedience now. Right there, you're glimpsing the, un, uh, the things unseen breaking in. And perhaps you know someone who by faith has offered loads of his time and money to God because he's trusting God's future is better than riches now. Right there, you're glimpsing the unseen things breaking in. No, just look around at your brothers and sisters tonight. Men and women who think it's better to be at church together, better to meet each other as we, we see the day approaching, I don't know, than watching telly tonight or going to the pub. Right here, we're seeing the proof of things unseen. God is at work. The future he will bring about has begun to take root. Isn't that such an encouragement? I hope you've had that moment when, when you see a friend, I don't know, take a step of faith, and your first thing you think isn't, oh, I wish I was like them. Instead, it's deeper. It's, it's yes, God is at work. There's courage in them, not, not from them. Confidence from outside them. They're holding fast in a way that you wouldn't have expected. Oh, heaven must be real because what I see in them. If others have faith, you see the future. And the wonderful thing is that's true for you and me too, not just for others. If you have faith, others are seeing the future in you. Your life will be an encouragement to other believers. It, it might even help unbelievers to wonder about there being a future at all. When you live your life in light of the reality of things hoped for, people will see that reality. They'll see the unseen. They'll see God is a God who's at work, a God who, who makes what is seen out of the unseen. 
So as we look at the saints of old, we look at the saints around us, let what you see encourage you to keep going. To hold fast to Christ, even under the heat and pressure. Live your life based on seeing the unseen. We have a God who's given us a future in Christ. He's done it all. As you trust God, you have that future, the reality of things hoped for. And that faith, it it shows us the future, the proof of things unseen. So praise God that, that we have a hope in Christ. Amen.